Good evening, listener. A new film called Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, starring the last movie star in modern history, Tom Cruise, has been released in theaters around the globe. Due to the incoming threats of animated capeshit travesties and assembly line-made PC disappointments headed by the big corporate entity infiltrating all screens both in theaters, at home, and anywhere abroad, not every single detail of this assignment can be given to you other than its urgency. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to go and support one of the last bastions of fine blockbuster cinema known to mankind. A team has been assembled for you. Should you or any of your team members be caught or killed, the secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions. Good luck, listener. This message will self-destruct in five seconds. back to another episode of The Searchers. I'm your host, Benjamin, and joining me tonight is Mr. Kevin Chan. Hello again. How are you? I am doing great. How are you? I'm doing, I'm doing just fine. I'm, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a little early. So we're, we're recording a little earlier than usual, so I like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but <laughs> For yeah. a change, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, uh, you know, sometimes you want things to happen in a, you know, a two-hour time period, like a movie, and we don't get that. <laughs> uh, exactly. But, but yeah, what are we covering tonight, Mr. Chan? Oh, folks, I can't wait, because we are covering the all-new Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, starring the last movie star we have in modern history, Tom Cruise. And folks, I hope that you've already seen the movie before listening to this episode. Yeah. Well, they got their instructions. So if they didn't listen, if they didn't make the choice, then there's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. A big, big problem. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, we decided to cover this. Kevin and I, um, unfortunately, Chris couldn't be with us because he didn't have time to see it. Because we're, well, yeah, we're recording on the the 18th. It's been out less than a week. And I'm going to try to turn this episode around and get it out pretty quick so it's still relevant yeah um but yeah so we decided still to, fresh we decided to cover this it's it's our second movie from 2023 after the old way which was which was not good this was uh a, 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 a return to uh above average um but yeah mission impossible 7 dead reckoning part one uh directed by Qu- uh, christopher McQuarrie, written by him and eric Jenrison. Um, Produced yep. by Tom Cruise, starring Tom Cruise, also starring Haley Atwell, <laughs> Ving Rams, Simon Pegg, Rebecca Ferguson, Vanessa Kirby. Um, how do you say it? Isai Morales, I think. Isai. Isai Morales. Yeah. Isai. Is it Ving Rams? I always said Ving Rams. Ving Rams. <laughs> Where's Ving Chris? Rams. Hey, Chris. Hey, <laughs> pronunciation. Pronunciation police over yeah, here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're back. We're back. Um. And then some other people that really don't matter too much. I do will we will shout out at the beginning uh, before we get to the actual plot point. But uh, Carrie 
Elvis is here in this movie, which was a surprise mm-hmm. to me when I saw him on the screen. Oh, he had no idea. <laughs> yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of like big names um, with small roles. Yeah, actually, so it was uh, yeah, kind of kind of nice to see. Do you want to go right into the plot? Well, sure. Let's get right into the plot of Mission Impossible Seven. So, the film begins deep into the Bering Sea, where Russia's next-generation submarine called the Sevastopol contains a computer system housing a, cham- housing a chamber that can only be unlocked by a special golden cruciform key. The Russian Navy aboard the underwater craft recently tested their new navigation system, but a mysterious AI has tricked them into firing a torpedo at themselves. Subsequently, IMF agent Ethan Hunt was tasked with his next mission, retrieve half of that cruciform key from his once-again-gone rogue close friend Ilsa Faust, who currently has a bounty placed on her head. And after retrieving half the key and infiltrating the U.S. Intelligence Committee's classified meeting, Ethan learns from the CIA director Eugene Kittredge of an experimental AI known as The Entity. Like Ilsa, it had gone rogue. Now it's sentient, possessing the power to override digital, military, and intelligence networks around the globe. So now it's Ethan's mission to obtain the key in its fullest form and destroy the entity before the national governments can use the key to harness it. However, in the midst of accomplishing that mission, an old enemy and former friend of his pre-IMF days, Gabriel, gets in his way. So that is the plot for part one of Dead Reckoning. A little bit of spoilers in the plot re- um, reading. A little bit. There's a but then again huge. There's a huge prologue in this movie that's like before they get to the title <laughs> sequence, it's like 25 minutes. I'm like, what is? Come on, guys, what's going yeah, on? Here? Yeah, yeah. It's seriously, uh, it's seriously nearly like just under a half hour long. Yeah, it's really like it starts out. And you think it's kind of like the hunt for Red October happening in the submarine, and <laughs> yeah, it started, it's so much shit happens. It it kind of was like throwing me off, honestly. I was just so surprised it, by how it, much stuff they threw at you. Me too, but I mean, it threw me off to the point where I I pretty much I nearly forgot that we hadn't even got gotten to the opening credits yet. And <laughs> yeah. after it after it happened, and I thought, oh yeah, that's right. We we were gonna get we, yeah, we like, got this to when's it happening? To, to watch, you know. <laughs> when's it happening? <laughs> but I thought that was kind of a good thing. I, I was engaged. I, I was engaged from yeah. the beginning. I so was, to have that as a surprise, you know. Same here. I mean, I I didn't forget because I'm like, when's it happening? Like, come on! But it just kept going and kept going. Uh, obviously, we told you up front watch this damn movie. So anything after this, if you, if we spoil it for you, cause this is a very recently released movie. It's your own fault for not going yeah. and watching it first, but yeah. So mm-hmm. during the prologue, we get one of the famous masks, the mask scenes with, uh, with Ethan in the Intel community, which I thought was, I, I didn't know what was happening in that scene. I'm like, what the heck's happening? Like, <laughs> what is this? And then of course, Tom Cruise takes the mask off and I'm like, that's badass. Um, <laughs> yeah, no idea that it could be Cruz. Like right, right when he walked in, I thought it was somebody. Uh, it's I, like, hey, is this? Yeah, I thought, thought it was, it was somebody, somebody else. else. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, I thought that guy. Yeah, was, I, I kind of had the feeling it was somebody. Else. He was carrying um, a briefcase. I was like, I know this is a bomb, and they're blowing up the uh, all the you know the American. <laughs> 
uh, intelligence agency yeah. heads or something. I don't know, but it was. Uh... I don't know if it's just us, but I mean, you know, this is already the, this is the seventh film, and we we didn't even consider the option that this could be this could just be Ethan Hunt wearing wearing his mask. <laughs> I mean, yeah. so the fact that it still surprised us, I'm like, oh well, you know, <laughs> I I don't know, I I get a kick out of that. It could be just dumb on our parts not to realize that that was that that wasn't Ethan, but still, it worked. I was like, yeah, really? Like I couldn't see that coming. Like all the the back and <laughs> forths in this this series so far. I, I uh, the past few months, I've gone through uh, MI three up till the uh, mm-hmm. what's it the sixth one Fallout now. Fallout. Fallout, yeah. So oh, I watched you the first two. No, no, no. Yeah, I didn't. No, I lied. I watched two. I didn't watch the first one. I watched five MI movies uh, oh. in the past month. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I definitely know now after watching the seventh what my favorite one is, and for sure, huh? <laughs> it's not this one. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this one just a, a real big holdup I had, like I just said with the prologue, is there's a lot of exposition dump during dialogue for some reason which takes up a lot of time and that's another that's my other really big like why is this movie almost (laughs) three hours long like it's not necessary you could easily shave off a lot of time if you just trimmed the dialogue we'll get we'll get those two negative things out of the way uh i I do have positive things to say those are my two Mm, really big yeah those are my two big critiques but yeah like i know you just watched this movie yesterday so i watched it on the 12th the day officially came out the 12th but people yeah. were already <laughs> already posting reviews before that so i'm sure there was early viewings but uh yeah what did you uh what was your thoughts coming out of the theater your initial reaction i still enjoyed it i still love the franchise i still i, I still love tom cruise and his dedication to uh, mission impossible and i still think that this was a worthy installment but not uh not as strong as um See, you know, I look back and my first theater experience with Mission Impossible was Ghost Protocol. I didn't see uh, the first three in theaters. So Ghost Protocol, I could never forget, was really one of the most, really one of the most fun times I've had in a movie theater. And then Rogue Nation came along and people don't really seem to talk about Rogue Nation that much. I think Rogue Nation might in fact be one of the underrated uh, Mission Impossible films um, in the whole... I agree. I saw uh, the same yeah. situation. I saw Ghost Protocol in theaters and had seen the other movies, like I think all from Blockbuster, which goes to show you how yeah <laughs> how old this series is at this how point. Old we are. We're not that old. We're young. <laughs> no, we're not. Yeah, we mentioned Blockbuster. Turning, some of these some some of these listeners are like, oh, the what's big, Blockbuster? The big three O soon. <laughs> uh, don't remind me. I know. <laughs> I still get carded at bars. So yeah, thank God for that. I don't, but, but that's a whole different story. Um, but yeah, yeah. So that's I, a story I, for next time. Yeah, I saw uh, Ghost Protocol in theaters, and just re- I watched Rogue Nation. I I didn't ever watched it like in theaters. Really? I, so I watched that oh, and Fallout. Neither. And I rewatched them like two years ago, or I watched them f- for the first time. So I rewatched them this past month and was like. I think Rogue Nation it has some good stuff going for it, but I think the reason mm-hmm. people really don't 
remember it is there's no payoff at the end like it kind of just ends like there's not no. really like a finale rogue nation didn't really have a strong villain either the villain was mainly a silent villain with he was really just another uh another criminal for ethan to catch he, he was there just wasn't like really a, much at stake he was just an anti-ethan hunt like he was like oh i'm an ex- pretty much an ex- pretty much like but <laughs> but wasn't the guy in I forget who the actor played him, but the uh, the bad guy in MI2 was also like some kind of like ex-intelligence agency guy. So it's like, yeah, it was just a, a rehash of like that. Scott. You take that and now they're, they go to Fallout and they're building upon this story now with reoccurring characters besides the main IMF team with uh, Simon Pegg and, and whatever. The, what's say his name? Bing, Bing Rames. Yeah, Bing <laughs> Rames. Rames. We'll go with Bing Rames. We'll go with the the... The long A, like, oh, uh, yeah, the... Yeah, the long A. a. But, yeah, so... Yeah, not ROMs. It's probably a Baltimore thing on your part, right? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> what, a, what about them O's, Horn? <laughs> but, yeah, so... They're building on these characters, and now we're going into Seven, and there's they're reoccurring again. And I think that's kind of where there's this departure from the couple ones that... Well, the first four... Which is fine. The first four. Yeah, they're, okay. they're they're starting to like make a series, and it's like se- semi similar to what comes to mind to me. The two things that come to mind is like it's a mini kind of MCU kind of tie in. Like, all right, we're gonna keep the same mm. character a little bit, not not exactly. Yeah. But the other no, thing, no, I, I I see what you mean. And the other uh, the other yeah. thing that I would say is it's kind of like John Wick, like two through four. Not the first one's kind of like. I put the first John Wick in its own little category because it's a totally different movie from the uh, the ones that follow. But regardless, yeah, true. there's like that. there's just like yeah. this continuity. Like, is it trying to make movies slightly like television with like oh like I remember that character from last time? I, I don't know what it is. I'm fine with it. It didn't bother yeah. me. But these past three MI movies and the next one obviously will have characters that carry over as well. Um, yeah to the culmination of like the next movie, MI eight or MI seven part two or yeah. whatever, whatever they're going to call it. Dead reckoning, is, dead reckoning part two. Yeah. Is the last one. I guess they got to tie off all these, mm-hmm. you know, loose ends and finish out all these story arcs, but mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I, I think rogue nation, like you said, it's, it's underrated, but there's a reason why people just don't remember it. People don't, yeah, sadly don't remember it. I mean, maybe for, for me, I have like sort of a personal connection to it because it was during a time where I was out of college and I was like sort of, you know, kind of down in the dumps in Rogue Nation, like, you know, also like hung up over this girl. But anyway, that's a different story. But oh, it kind of... Uh, talk, uh, talk to Dr. Ben. <laughs> we'll do it all. We'll, we'll do it offline. We'll do it offline. But... <laughs> but... Uh, okay, yeah, sure, Dr. Phil. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, <laughs> but but I mean, but anyway, yeah, Rogue Nation, uh, I still found a lot of value in that. And uh, maybe it's just because of the emotional connection I had to it at the time. Uh, but, you know, with Rogue Nation, you see Macquarie sort of he's kind of in, he's kind of playing it safe with Rogue Nation. Uh, looking back at it now. And um, well, before I get there. I just want to say, like, in terms of theater experiences, Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, and Fallout were top-tier theater experiences for me. Whereas with Dead Reckoning, I mean, I saw it in IMAX, just as I did the last uh, Mission Impossible films, but I think the impact just didn't hit me as much as I had hoped. And uh, 
exact same thing with me. I was like, yeah, it's just all Cruise and Top Gun 2. We were anticipating that for like three years or two years or whatever. I'm like, he just destroyed it. Like, <laughs> this is going to be so good. And I think, I mean, what really happened was that this was just too long for me. It like just there's like a there's yeah, like a, a dead it. space where it's like, huh. It's just it like, wasn't 90 minutes, people. That's why Ben did No, like it. it doesn't need to be 90. <laughs> if, you have an a, if you have an action movie with a lot of characters that are from the previous films, like an, it, it can be at like two hours, 15. But there, there was like 30 minutes here where it's like you could have trimmed that down 15, I think. And, and I made, get it. The pacing is is a little. I get it. Like you're, It's off. Yeah, I, I get it. Well, you, you spread out when you spread out. In an, like when you're in a theater and you spread out the audience's enjoyment, for, at least for the ones that are like me, I guess I'm special. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it lessens the blow. I think like it didn't, it, like it didn't blow me away. Like ghost protocol. When I saw that, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is the yeah. best uh-huh. shit ever. Like yeah. Tom Cruise can do no wrong. I won't forget that same thing. Top gun too. Like I, I went to that. I saw that four times in the theater. I'll never see a movie four times ever again. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only, well, you never know. I mean, but yeah, it's a rarity to see it to go and see a film four times in theaters. Like that really does say that says a lot. Yeah. Um. But uh. Yeah. That, that like just going back to it, the impact didn't hit me as much as I had hoped. Uh. Like Cruz's other Mission Impossible installments and Top Gun Maverick was uh my favorite, just about my my favorite theater experience as of recent. Uh. Even though that was last year. But going going back to McQuarrie's direction, um. Uh, there are differences in his style when you go from Rogue Nation up till now. Rogue Nation, as I said, it's sort of like him playing it safe with Tom Cruise. Um, he, he he really did develop a style more so, or, or really solidified his style with Fallout, where he took he he was playing with lights and shadows. He took ideas that you might find in Hitchcock. Shout out to Chris, by the way. There's a there's one Hitchcock reference for you, um, and every also, episode. yeah, every episode. And gonna, also, there we, there was. Are we mentioning Barbara Stanwyck yeah. next? <laughs> well, we can mention Barbara Stanwyck, and you beat me to it just now, Ben. Oh, <laughs> well, damn it! <laughs> yeah, Barbara Stanwyck. There. Um, also, I I would say that there is, or I I don't know if you've seen this uh, French film, Ben, but it's uh, Le Cercle Le Cercle Rouge. It's I'm really butchering the pronunciation pronunciation. But it's directed by Jean Pierre Melville. No, and I know what it is. It's on my list, but yeah, yeah. So there is a sort of just the way he delivers human expression, human movement through calculation in these very cool and very sly uh, poses. I felt that Macquarie employed that a lot more so in Fallout with uh, with just blocking and framing, and there was a breathability to the style. You know, there was an appreciation for the scenery. There was a there was an, not only an appreciation for the scenery, but there was also it played alongside uh, pulsating moments. In Dead Reckoning, though, just to I guess like when you said TV, I could kind of see that there is sort of like a a TV television-esque style to it however the big thing about that i think i know why and that's because dead reckoning is the first mission impossible film shot digitally the previous films the the previous movies were shot on film Macquarie decided to shoot these to shoot both uh dead reckoning part one and two using sony digital cameras 
And I felt there's that sort of glint that overshadows the entire movie that you just can't... It, it really changes the look of the film. And most of the time, that can turn out badly. Whereas with Dead Reckoning, I felt... I don't think the quality is really diminished. However, I felt like he sort of employed more so, more of a close uh, a close quarters style, a more frenetic and frantic style, as opposed to a breathability and scenic sort of uh, shots that you'd see in Rogue Nation Fallout. You hit the nail on the head there because I was going to say it felt very claustrophobic and like. Yeah, yeah. I know you said in your review, and shout out to Ricardo for uh, schooling me on technical oh, blah, bullshit. <laughs> but like the Dutch, the Dutch angles, the Dutch angles, yes, really yes. bothered me. Like I'm like, why? Like, they did. Yeah, it's like, I want to say something about that. But uh, but like, why are they here? Because you can use them fine. But they're like every dialogue scene. It's like Dutch angles, Dutch angles, Dutch like, angle. Wait, all right, the Dutch angles just means yes. the camera's not horizontally at zero degrees. So it's like. Yeah, it's just like it's usually <laughs> someone's face. And what what, what yes. were you gonna say about that? No, so so like Dutch angles and close-ups. McQuarrie used so I felt he so he used so many close-ups uh, in addition to Dutch angles. But what I wanted to say is that say so I just mentioned he used digital cameras, and then you just mentioned Dutch angles, and we just talked about the whole frenetic and frantic claustrophobic style of the whole film i want to say that so i was wondering if you had recently seen the first mission impossible but then you, you said that you started with two and then moved your way upwards no but I, how right, long has it been since you've seen the first one decade i mean i i've decade i've seen it probably twice i i remember i think okay. i know what you're, you're going to talk about what the dutch angles in that scene where De Palma uses them. Like I, I literally just looked that up makes sense De Palma, yeah De Palma uses dutch angles and but the thing about him was that he had a creative use of lights and shadows. When you look at Dead Reckoning, you see a ton of Dutch angles, a ton of um, close-ups, but they lack the artistry in a way because of the digital cameras, I felt. And I felt that Macquarie, in a way, even though he went with digital camera work, uh, well, just, no, just digital cameras, he... It seemed like he was being experimental in the same in the same way that uh, Spielberg was very experimental with something like um, what's the name of that? It, it, there's that animated film um, th that he did, not Polar Express, but I'm that's sorry, slipping in my mind. That's what I was gonna say. I don't, I don't know the other you one. You want to say that? Yeah, yeah. So, and but anyway, when you saw Spielberg um, direct uh, that film, I cannot believe I'm. I'll look it up. Keep talking. Not remembering. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, uh, you could kind of, you could obviously see that he's playing with the new medium. He's playing Adventure with of Tintin. Animation. Yes, the Adventures of Sea. I'm so stupid. I can't believe I forgot that film. Never, never but, seen that. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you, you you watch that film, and Spielberg just seems to be having fun employing this new sort of visual language via CGI. And I felt that was sort of the same with what Macquarie does with or Macquarie does with. Uh, dead reckoning he's playing with the digital cameras he's playing with the freedom that that probably offers him and then he uses dutch angles hearkening back to de palma's use of dutch angles and close-ups but however i think they just don't i don't know they don't employ the artistry and as you said going back earlier ben like they didn't need to be there they didn't need to be it felt over that honed in yeah it felt overused in the same sense it 
J.J. Abrams overused uh, lens flares in Star Trek. It was kind of the same thing with what Macquarie does here. Let's not talk about that shit, J.J. Abrams. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, the, like the claustrophobic... you say that about Spielberg. No, I, well, I was talking about J.J., but Spielberg's gone downhill the last 20 years too. But regardless, the claustrophobic look is what I'm talking about. Is like when they're... The Dutch angles are all from like bottom to top and they're always been like switching from person to person. I'm like, there's no reason for you to be doing this. I guess unless like the actual, the actual filming locations were like somehow hard to set up the the camera or something, but that doesn't make any sense. Like why even limit yourself that way? And they, this movie, it was like a $290 million budget. Like there's no way that's about, (laughs) That was a, it was one of the most expensive movies ever made. There's no way that that's a limiting factor, but there's a lot of stuff going on. And I, I want to get into the action because I, I know you and I both like that stuff, but in the prologue alone, there's the, there's the Dutch angles during the dialogue, uh, when Ethan takes his mask off and bombs the whole office where they're having like that conference about the, the threat, which we'll get yeah. to in a bit. And then there's that Arabian, right. the Arabian desert shootout, which one, Ethan, <laughs> Ethan gets spotted by a bunch of mercs that are after, after um, Ilsa Faust. Like he, I'm like, how'd you get spotted, bro? You're a freaking like professional spy. Like, come on, and <laughs> just like that whole like, oh, it's the sandstorm. He loves Ilsa. Yeah, whatever. It's He's desperate. <laughs> I I don't believe that, but uh, the whole the whole um, sandstorm aspect of that shootout, I'm like, that seemed like a cop out to me. Like, why can't you do a shootout for real without a sandstorm? But whatever mm. it's just that mm-hmm. felt like why is it it's so claustrophobic but we'll we'll get scenic in. yeah i thought <laughs> well yeah there no way if you've seen the trailer yeah. you know there's a train in the movie and that's towards the end in right the, in the final act and all the interior shots uh-huh. for that are, are the same thing like there's no reason for you to be doing what you're doing with the camera but i get it i totally get it yeah it's again too- it's like it's like Macquarie being very experimental with this film yeah it's, um, we're gonna in get in terms of limitation yeah go on no, I was just saying we're getting really into the details about that. So we we can move on, but you were you were talking about yeah, limit, yeah. limitations now. Yeah, yeah, I I think I don't know if it might be a poor excuse, but I would say that cuz I think during production filming was halted was it COVID? a number of times because of because of COVID. Of course. So it's a possibility that there were there they had no other option but to uh film this way or edit this way because limitations had probably tarnished with what uh what sort of original vision that Macquarie had for a certain scene so i don't know i mean that could be a factor but uh, again it could be a poor excuse for me to even say that um but yeah i for the most part think that Macquarie was frankly being experimental with uh, the camera with direction this time around which i think so we're going to end on this and move to the next topic. But if but my last yeah. thing I want to say about that is it's the seventh movie in the fucking franchise. There's no reason yeah, to be experimental yeah. at this point. Uh, yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. But for Macquarie, it's uh, it's his uh, it's his third um, foray into the Mission Impossible. Which uh, you, you think he'd be more. He, yeah. You think he'd be more ex- experimental in the first one. But I guess, like you said, he was playing it safe. But he's playing it safe. Yeah, definitely playing re- it safe. Regardless. Right? All out. It's like he, you know. So. Let's go on to one of the things you looks like you have in your notes is mm-hmm. 
in the synopsis that we told you, we said it, the threat right. that they're fighting is an AI. Yeah. <laughs> I know you have some qualms about that one. Well, I just think there's a lot of plot devices that are used in this that are just like, it's just there for convenience. I feel like to, to keep it going or to have like a, have some sort of reveal or like double cross or, you know, anything like that. Like if you have an AI as a villain and it can like manipulate people, there's no reason the thing can't manipulate an unlimited amount of people to just destroy you. And like I said, in my initial review on letterbox, which I didn't give a rating yet because I really, I'm still, you need to persuade me, Kevin, to give it at least an eight out of 10. It seemed like this, (laughs) it seemed like, um, Macquarie and the other guy, Eric, Jenderson or whatever like Jenderson, like yeah. what were they like writing this movie when they had person of interest on in the background like we've seen that the AI I remember can, like, you saying that <laughs> yeah the AI that can control shit and like has all can watch cameras and, yeah like, influence people blackmail people like yeah that's like you gotta take a really really big grain of salt with you during the movie Th- that can you when you use that type of storyline with the you know the quote-unquote n- the n- limitations that ai doesn't have which you'd think if this was an all-powerful ai it would be able to just do whatever it wants that's all i'm going to mention about it because it, it, there's too many like specifics no i i i get it but uh, so do you you really do think that the ai route was i think original like they i think some i mean it's unoriginal because it's already been done at least in the one example i get, gave but i'm sure there's person of interest okay What's the what's the AI in uh, that old movie uh, War Games or whatever with Bro- Matthew Broderick? Yes. Like, there's an AI in that yeah, movie from yeah. 40 years ago. So it's like, <laughs> I thought it was just a little too convenient at times. Like, well, um, how about how about this? Correct me if I'm wrong, or just say you what? don't know. But like, was there a reason the AI uses Gabriel, this guy from Ethan Hunt's past, which why is in the seventh movie you're bringing up somebody from his past? I don't know, but okay. If the AI is helping this guy, why can't he? Why can't he get help? Well, other way around. If the, if the guy's helping the AI, why can't that like five people help the AI? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, it's, see about that. I don't think we even fully understand the relationship between Gabriel and the AI. And given the fact this is a part one, it does maybe that's dead reckoning. Maybe that's the issue. That's maybe. it's. That's the issue. That, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, I, the fact that this is a part one, the movie is definitely going to feel very much like a part one. And so let me relate this to uh, Denis Villeneuve uh, with Dune. Yep. And I'm not. I don't like. I don't like Dune. I don't I, like the story. I, I'm I don't thinking like it's the this same whole, thing. Whole shallow. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I don't like this whole shallow messianic uh, theme that's going on with Dune. So I share the same views with J.R.R. Tolkien. Because he does not like Dune either. But anyway, with the movie, the mo- the movie besides what I just said about about Dune, the movie was very much a part one. It felt like a part one, like an incomplete structure of a full story. And maybe you can say, well, see, I I, I can't relate that to the MCU. The MCU just don't they don't feel like movies because they just don't feel like movies. Dune, like part ones of of a film, they just feel they are movie. They just feel very incomplete, and Dead Reckoning suffers from that. And so we don't understand everything. All we do, all we, all we can gauge from a part one with Dead Reckoning, for example, is expository dialogue and unanswered questions about 
what's going on in the film. For example, Gabriel and the AI. I don't know. We don't know what the relationship is between Gabriel and the AI. We don't know why the AI cannot just do, as you said, manipulate more people and maybe just like make it easier on itself and get rid of the people who would be in the way rather than simply predicting who will be in the way. And that's what it did in, in this film, right? It actually knew what Ethan, like two probabilities about what Ethan could do uh, to Gabriel or what would be the option if he, if he didn't do what he was going to do. So I would, I would think that there are some limitations uh, regarding the AI in terms of what it can control and what it could not. It seems that it can control a lot of things, yep. but I don't think it can control everything. But it's, it's Mission and Impossible. I guess these are questions that... It's Mission Impossible. Yeah, exactly. So these are, these are unanswered questions, and I would have to chalk it up to the fact that it's just merely a part one. It's going to be answered in the second part. But with AI, I, do, I, can, I can get behind the idea that it, it is an unoriginal concept. We already mentioned Person of Interest uh, and War Games. I'm sure there are others that we're missing too, but I, I don't even uh, recall or whatever a movie or TV show. You don't have a movie catalog in your what? brain about all the movies you've seen with AIs in it? Come on, man. With AI, I, I, I just I can't. I, I, hey, I did. I couldn't even remember freaking Adventures of Tintin earlier. So I'm probably not gonna remember this. I don't, I don't even know what that freaking <laughs> bullshit is. I'm like, what? <laughs> Steven Spielberg? Yeah, who? So, who? Yeah. <laughs> ben hates Steven Spielberg. Spielberg I, with a passion. I don't hate him. I I dislike uh, what I he's know, become. I, just, I know. No, I I get it. I get it. But but for for AI in terms of uh what it can do here i think really maybe i i guess i do like it a tad more than you ben but when i look back at it you look at the imf and what are the what are they skilled in they're they're skilled in mimicry they're skilled see you look at what erica sloan played by angela bassett said in fall in mission impossible fallout she calls the imf halloween a bunch of grown men in rubber masks playing trick-or-treat so the IMF, they're skilled in they're skilled in manipulation. They're skilled in trickery. They're they're skilled in mimicry because you know they use these masks and they use voice alteration to achieve their goal. Now, when you look at the AI, that is a huge step above what the IMF has accomplished all these years. That is a form of mimicry that supersedes what the IMF can do. It doesn't. The AI's form of a rubber mask is to manipulate humans through audio, through voice, through information, and it basically mimics everything with not that. Well, I could say the touch of a button, but it mimics everything very easily and is one step ahead of the curve. Uh, Again, as opposed to the IMF. Why? So, I, do, you, do you get what I'm saying? I'm trying. I, I feel like I'm not explaining it clearly yeah, but, as I wanted it. No, so like I if, wanted to, if but. it can do that, which which it does in the movie, it it at yeah. one point it, uh, Tom Cruise is communicating with with Benji Dunn's character on a, on like a radio or whatever, and then the yeah. AI t- takes his voice, and then you know <clears throat> it's like it's like the AI yeah. today. It's like oh, just take the voice, and you can make it sound whatever you want, like Joe Biden and stuff, like right. whatever. <laughs> the force. I'm sorry, Mr. Henry. So Superman isn't Henry Cavill. That's upsetting. <laughs> um, we'll yeah, just make him yeah, say exactly. some make exactly. him say some stupid stuff. It's, well, he already does that. But oh, whoops. <laughs> um, so yeah, 
But the, if the AI can do that there, why can't it do it to everyone and just manipulate everything Ethan Hunt does so that he dies? I, I, again, that, that's a good question. It's a good question. So I we'll, guess it's like we'll find out. We'll find out. Later uh, on. Yeah. We'll, fi- we'll, we'll find out, I'll I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think like, we, let's do another shout out to Ricardo because I think Ricardo had mentioned it earlier. I think, did he, did he say that the AI can merely control information? I I don't I I honestly I I don't, I don't even know but I I mean um, from the movie I somehow this Gabriel guy is communicating with the AI at all times yes yeah, somehow somehow yeah remember that point where he gets out Probably of the freaking he's like in a casket of some sort with a mask on connected to the AI mm-hmm. it's like what Again, the hell is un- that unanswered question what the hell is that shit <laughs> unanswered question explain that shit to yeah. me boy <laughs> exactly unanswered question like another an- unanswered question. Well, we don't need to we don't but, need to yeah. touch upon any more of the actual story specifics of plot, but like let's go into uh, one thing that you know from if you guys have the listeners have gone back and listened to our second episode, you know that Kevin Chan and I like Jackie Chan. Who else? Who else were you gonna name drop? Action stars that do their yeah. own stunts. <laughs> yes, stars that do their own stunts. So, you know, Tom Cruise does follow in the steps of Jackie Chan. And let's go down to, say, the 1920s, Buster Keaton. I, I got two more for you. Steve McQueen, which we already we covered an episode, him in an episode, um, Le Mans. Uh-huh. And then the other one I want to recommend that I don't think you've seen, Kevin, that much, but mm, you got to see it. it. John Paul Belmondo. Oh, uh, no, I, 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 I've, I've seen a few of his, but maybe not. Not the ones that uh, I don't think the ones that you've you've seen. Batman from Rio. I've seen that man from Rio a long time ago. So that's in the seventies, or sorry, that's in the early or mid sixties. Yeah. There's some seventies and, yeah. and early eighties movies with him. That uh, the one I'm going to shout out is um, The Outsider, which is the English title, mm. where there's like mm-hmm. this car chase that he does his own stunts where he's driving this Ford Mustang that's like got body armor on it. It's so sick. I'm like, I can't believe like no <laughs> one knows about this shit and. In another movie he's in, he like he's in a he's in a helicopter like Tom Cruise, like jumping down to a to a, a boat that's like in you know running away from him. It's fr- like this guy's doing his own stunts. Oh, like, he really does it. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he, and Belmondo made sure, just like Cruise does in this movie too, to like have the camera right there so you can see his face. Like he's not. It's not fake. It's him. This isn't BS, guys. Like that's actually me. I did that. <laughs> yeah. So like, all right. That, speaking of great. that, okay. Buster Keaton. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was a good uh, was a good name drop. What stunts are we talking about in this movie? That uh, so but- like everyone. Well, we had we had already mentioned uh, the the big um, the big stunt that they had. See, you know, I, I hate when people. I, I got to mention this. I hate when they have to preview things because the motorcycle jump was was great but that was that was previewed in theaters so many times that it's yep. like when you get there it's not really as exciting totally. as you want it to be i'm just anticipating that exciting. thing that whole time yeah yeah you, you you're already going through the film and you're wondering like okay when's that going to happen and you, you finally see tom cruise on the motorcycle okay it's going to happen soon then they they throw him out of the fucking movie for like 15 minutes like he's just like oh i'm driving <laughs> I have an unlimited tank of gas, guys. Like I'm yeah, driving. I know. I was wondering, like, dude, I'm catching a full tank of gas. He's been he's been going through up like up the hill and down the hill. Like, where's <laughs> it wasn't a hill. Like he literally was like, yeah, I'm driving to the top of this thing, and it's like a mountain. I'm like, that thing couldn't make it up after yeah. a while, but whatever. 
Oh, well, yeah, true. And so that, that yeah. Why do they Avenger. do that? So, <laughs> yeah. Speak of an, speaking of one more before we get to the the motorcycle jump, the or dirt bike jump, uh, whatever you want to call it. They threw out um, Ving Rhames as well. Like he's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta like hack this thing. So like, I'll see you guys. Oh yes. Why? It's like he's gone for forty five minutes and he. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. He he, he runs he runs oh, away for quite a while. Chi- uh, <laughs> co- communist China was like, no, we you can't have that black guy in that movie that long. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we're not we're not airing that over yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> he, Too many he black was gone. men. Like. Uh, no, it's, like, it's like it's the same black guy. Nope, commies don't want him. Oh man, he was literally gone for 40 45 minutes, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. The, the movie does employ weird usages of I, I don't know, I, I can't really explain it, but there are just like some okay, please. I, this, I hope this doesn't mean I'm going to give this a lower rating now. But no, I, I, I just started complaining about things already, but uh. Yeah, I, oh, damn it. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know. I mean, again, there was the anticipation factor is sort of gone because of the way films are marketed nowadays. And uh, the motorcycle jump, I think, was I wouldn't say it's a disappointment, but just the impact didn't hit me. Like I said, the entirety of Dead Reckoning the impact in theaters it just it didn't it, it wasn't as strong enough as like like i had hoped it would be if the movie's 300 million dollars they have to like advertise the shit out of it so it's probably more like a half a billion dollar movie to be quite honest with you uh-huh. but all the money they're yeah. they're dumping in for people to watch it hopefully it works but yeah my problem with the stunt is like they definitely filmed that thing like i don't know whatever 50 times like he, he did it like multiple times like Tom he, jumped, Cru- he jumped six times <laughs> All right, six times. He not jumped 50. six times. So I, six. I guess like they they destroyed six Honda motorcycles. I oh, guess. They don't care it's about like, oh, that's that's God. nothing. But yeah, like I it's know. only like forty five but... seconds long. Like that that shit should be like three no, yeah. three minutes. I know, I know. Well, I can only rely on what Simon Pegg had said about uh Dead Reckoning Part Two, whereas like you what you've seen in, in part one is tame compared to part two. Well, I, I I don't want to. I'm going to keep low expectations because I don't want to get my hopes up and then be right. disappointed. Just tell two rolls around. Tell Simon Pegg to not <laughs> tell him not the freaking show a, a a damn trailer at all. I don't want a trailer. I want to yeah, go into it I fresh. I don't want. I, I yeah, exactly. I don't want to see because we had already seen that jump multiple times in in theaters in that special uh, preview. Yeah, there was a special preview on YouTube and before. Yep. Yeah, and it's like okay, it's not exciting anymore did, because did they, you're showing it all. Did they show that preview at the during the trailers for Top Gun Two? I think they might have. I, uh, they they did. I, I think they did. Yeah, so, it's either that or they get they get that little uh, special clip of uh, Tom Cruise saying hi to the audience, and he's he's on he's on a plane. He's hanging onto a plane with no wire, nothing. Yep. And see, that's that's another preview. We're probably going to be wa- looking for that when we watch Dead Reckoning Part Two. It's like okay. I'm not gonna watch anything now. I'm not. I'm just not gonna watch anything. Just because I, I, I want, I want that theater experience. That's what movies are for, you know. So there's that stunt. Very impressive. <laughs> I yeah. would never do it. Yes. It's yeah. yeah. Not many people in Hollywood would do it. Maybe like two other people. I, I don't do know. It. Oh yeah. Kevin's like I'm a pro at flying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's but yeah there's, there's that the, stunt, and then there's the before that there's a. Let's go to 
the car chase in your favorite city. Yeah, yeah, I, I wanted to get to that one. Yes, yes. In a Fiat. Car chase in the Eternal City. In a Fiat in Italy. Yeah, a beautiful Fiat 500, yeah. In, in Italy, yes. You can do the little pinchy yeah, fingers. You got you, you, you to you do the gesture. You got to do the gesture. <laughs> that, yeah. that gesture is um, the, the, the Italian like, oh, it's a, it's a me, uh, Mario. It's, it's a, a me, a Mario. <laughs> Oh, so generic! Holy crap! We gotta do that. Ciao, Bella. (laughs) Mario. Oh gosh. Okay. Scusi. Let's stop before we keep going. Damn it. (laughs) Well, Mario has to come up when when it's Italy, but it's it's a little throwback. They're in they're in Rome again, uh, and it's not in the Vatican this time, like MI three. You don't you don't see Cruz with a uh, shout out to one of our last episodes. You don't see Cruz in a. Black shirt and a white collar. That's not there. That's in the third one. No. <laughs> Which is a kind of a throwback to the fact that Cruz did enter the seminary before he became a big time. Oh, I didn't know that. But anyway. Yeah. 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 He, he, Cruz grew up Catholic. Yeah. Could have been uh, no Catholic wonder. Bro, no wonder you like enough. him. No. Well, hey, I'm <laughs> we're Con- trying to get him back. Yeah. I'm going to say <laughs> you're, you're going to convert him back. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> convert him back. Yeah. Screw you on L. Ron Hubbard or something, whatever the hell your name is. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, yeah, anyway. So the, the chase, so, the chase. Uh, the chase in Rome. So what would you think, Ben? What would you think about that chase in Rome? Because I do have my thoughts, and it, it'll harken back to what I said earlier. So there's that chase in... There's the famous motorcycle scene in MI2. There's the... Was it in Paris? Is it... Rogue Nation in Paris, where he's on the motorcycle, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's that's Paris. Yeah. There's the. Is it also Rogue Nation when he's on a motorcycle in? Oh wait, wait, wait I'm, so, I'm, I'm I'm an idiot. Uh, uh, hang on, let me do a correction. Uh, the the chase in Paris that was in Fallout. Fallout in Paris. Rogue Nation. That's uh, yeah. It, that's in Morocco. Morocco in, yeah. That's Casablanca. That's Casablanca. So, in Rogue Nation. Yeah. So Tom Cruise can clearly ride a motorcycle, very well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in this one, he's in a Fiat in in Rome, and all I know is their asses have to hurt on all those cobblestone streets because <laughs> driving through Rome is one of the most like you're just constantly like bouncing like crazy. I like the beginning of it because it's right outside the Colosseum where I'm like, hey, I've been there. I've walked right there where the where the cars are at. Yeah, me too. That's crazy. Me too. Yeah, I know. You, you you're just doing like the whole point and look. Hey, look, I was I was right there. Hey, I ma. Was there last month. Hey, hey, ma. No hands. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I honestly need to rewatch the movie in theaters again because I was just looking like, oh, I've been there, been there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> gonna do with like a little where's waldo kind of thing where it's like hey where's the <laughs> i was there cruz is well we haven't brought her up yet which we need to bring her up um Haley atwell as the new foil for cruz the, the female foil the ff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the imf you know so they're That's getting right. chased by another lady who goes by the name of um I think she just goes by Paris, right? Yeah, she goes by Paris, played by Palm Clemente, of who people would obviously know as Mantis from. Uh, I, I didn't you know. know. I didn't know. So what's that mean? <laughs> F- fuck Marvel. That's what it means. Uh, <laughs> okay, we don't need to go. We, okay, uh, I, I don't need to say anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so no. Anyway, <laughs> they're in a shootout, and the p- police show up, and 
We haven't mentioned it either, but there's there's an intelligence agency guys after Cruz, so they show up, and there's this whole like Mexican standoff thing, and Cruz all discombobulated. Cruz, um, they get in this car, and it's a Fiat. No, no, no. They get in a police car first, and then they have to get in a new. Yeah. So there's like kind of like two chases, but regardless, it's yeah. a, it's good. <laughs> I I think I know what you're gonna say. It's a little. I feel like it's a little claustrophobic uh, of the filming in, inside the car. It is. As other people have mentioned, there was enough in that scene, enough character growth, or not character growth, but revealing. Like I said, other people have said this in their reviews that I've seen is that it shows you that Haley Atwell's character can't really drive, which is yeah. like, oh great, mm-hmm. we have it. We finally have a female hero who's like not perfect. No, <laughs> no yeah. Mary Sue. Cool. But there's also like <laughs> that's happening at the same time. It's like kind of funny. Like she's doing a donut is. in this it Fiat, is. in this <laughs> I, in this IMF like electric Fiat or something, and the thing's got like I don't know 500 horsepower. Like it's so fast. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's fake. Uh, it's obviously you know just for the story, but it's it's they yeah. get they get into this. Um, I guess you call it like a safe, not a safe house, but like a safe car or like a, a, secu- a secure car or whatever. And um, yeah, it's what it's one of the cars that dropped by the IMF. I'm assuming just you know like in yeah, case they just have it. Like a, a quick get, a, a quick getaway car. Getaway yeah. car. Getaway yeah. car. We're so stupid. Yeah. yeah. Getaway car. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, Kevin. So Paris. Uh, I try my best. They're in the Fiat, and Paris is in this like. Italian style, uh, police style Humvee. Yeah. An armored, an armored Humvee. (laughs) Yeah. It's pretty interesting. All like the, you know, them driving through Rome and like the constant, like just turns and Haley Atwell's character, Grace and Ethan Hunt, they're both handcuffed to each other, to one another. So they, he's trying to like, uh, he's trying to get, you know, follow her basically. And she's trying to get away, but (laughs) The the backstory there is, she's like the, kind of this master thief that they meet in the airport before this, and so she goes to Rome, and that's why they're there in the first place. And so she obviously gets out of the handcuffs and handcuffs Ethan to the steering wheel at the end. So I thought that was kind of, uh, I wasn't expecting that to be quite honest. But you were expecting that, yeah. It was actually it was smart. It was, the the it, ending it was, was, was good. Clever. They go and they they crash the car. Like you gotta watch, you got. We can't describe in words a, a car, yeah. an action scene, but they they crash the car. It's something you gotta. It's something you gotta witness and feel. Yeah. So they crash the know, car in, in, into the subway, and then that's when that whole thing ends. But Cruz doesn't. He's locked to the steering wheel, and you know, oh, is he gonna die? <laughs> of course not. He's he's a pro. Yeah, of course not. Yeah. But but yeah, I like you that. Know he's gonna get out. That char- that car chase was pretty good, but I do think. The Rogue Nation Morocco. It's Rogue Nation, right? That mo- it's Rogue Nation. Yeah. I like that yeah. chase on the on the motorcycles a lot. I think that was slightly better, but no, it's great, and I, yeah. I love. I've been to Rome recently within the last mm-hmm. two months. So yeah, we've both it, been to Rome you, quite you were, recently. Yeah, yeah. both in twenty twenty three. So yeah, so going back to Rogue Nation and Fallout, like I said earlier. There is a breathability in terms of Macquarie's style of action. You can see everything. You can appreciate the views. You can appreciate the location. You can, and on top of that, you are, you feel your pulse pounding in with the action. However, uh, with the action, with the car chase here in, in, in Rome, you really don't have any time to appreciate the views as much as you could in Rogue Nation and Fallout, which were, very organized 
um, really just organized um, action scenes. Here, I guess, I guess you can we can call it a, a negative, um, but you know the whole idea of being so close knit and claustrophobic that applies that can apply to the entirety of Dead Reckoning, but with the action scenes, um, I guess in a way it really can accentuate uh, the the dichotomy between Ethan and and Haley Atwell's character Grace uh, in this film because you know you have, you've got Ethan he's finally dealing with this one. Yeah, as you said, a, a lady who really cannot, she, she's not as skilled uh, as the other people in his life. She's, she can't drive. And Ethan is in that moment of distress where he's like, okay, I'm handcuffed to this woman. What do I do now? How do I get, how do we get the hell out of here? You know? And I guess in a way, the action really helps accentuate the distress because we're kind of suffering alongside Ethan at that point. And, um, so what might not seem to work well in the action actually i think help does work well with the in terms of emotion and what macquarie probably wants you to feel in this moment and not only that but the humor that uh that construes um in that scene where they're doing donuts uh yeah <laughs> donut turns on the street it's like okay th this is funny but this is also really embarrassing but then you look back uh, and like, actually, no, 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 that, that, that's the point. It should be embarrassing. You know, so I, I still enjoyed it. I still really enjoyed that, um, that scene, no matter how claustrophobic it is and how it, it, that was really unexpected. I mean, it's just really kind of a, not really a far cry, but it's, it's, it, it's a change. It's don't expect uh, what you saw in Rogue Nation and Fallout um, to continue here in Dead Reckoning. Because the action scenes are actually quite different. Yes. As a whole. For context, Haley Atwell's uh, right hand is handcuffed to Ethan's left hand, and that's why she's driving yeah. during that scene. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I, I think, like I said, the uh, the Arabian desert scene, I didn't really vibe with too much with like uh, Ilsa Faust like shooting her gun like, it's a sandstorm. How do you see these people? I, I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't think. Did she have a infrared? I don't think she had an infrared. I don't uh, think so. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I, don't I don't think so. So no. what? Whatever. It was just a regular sniper rifle. But, she could just see. <laughs> yeah. So there's that action sequence with the car, and then the the action uh -huh. sequence with the motorcycle. But then the really big one that goes on for like 10, 15 minutes is the train sequence on top. Of the train sequence at the end. Yes. Which is they did yep. for real, like. Mm -hmm. obviously with all the millions of dollars of insurance and safety precautions they had to do and whatever. Yeah. I mean, they can't be on a moving train that's going pretty damn fast um, mm -hmm. and not be secured. But the, the action on, I thought that action was great. They have a knife fight on the, on the top of the train. And I don't know. What, what did you think about the train sequence in general? Like, I know we're bouncing, we're I bouncing around. It. no, well, well, I think we're going in order of the we're going in order of like the, the whole uh, well, somewhat in order of the whole um, stunt sequences. But the train sequence, I enjoyed it, but again, I just think the impact wasn't strong enough. Yep. You know, I still enjoy that action sequence. I love that action sequence, but I just think that the impact was not as strong enough. And I don't know what I can really chalk that up to. I mean, you compare that to um, the hand-to-hand -hand tussles between. Tom Cruise and Henry Cavill in Fallout. Uh, you know, that was some pulse pounding stuff, I felt. 
Whereas with uh, Tom Cruise and Isai Morales on top of a train, uh, I don't know. Looking back at it, maybe it seemed to be a little too safe. It didn't really achieve that moment of, um, you know, tension and uh, insanity. But I, I still felt that it, it is much a much better um, example of action nowadays when you look at the way scenes like these are generally filmed. I think... It's as practical, I don't know, it's like, it's as, practical as you're going to get at this point. Yeah, it's as practical as, as you're going to get. And I think like even like... You notice the CGI in, in the train sequence. I felt like some of the CGI kind of threw me off too. Well, when they're, when they're crouching down well in the done. tunnel? Well, when they're crouching down in the tunnel and it's like, okay... Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I felt like maybe I expected more, and I think maybe that was part of my problem that I, I, I seem to expect more out of uh, films like the like these. If it wasn't three hours long, I think I think the emotional payoff might have been there. You think so? Yeah, because there's a lot of talking I still... before all that. <laughs> yeah, there is. But even then, I mean, I, I still, I, I still in, enjoyed myself. It's still a good time uh, on the big screen. I sound negative yeah. as hell, but I, yeah, I, I like, I sound negative as hell too. I liked it too. It's above average. It's there's a lot of good stuff to like, but like to me, it's like, oh, I just watched all these MI movies, and like this just was a letdown in comparison. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know how, I don't know how, we, I don't know how to be any nicer about it. I, I was expecting like, right. I was expecting to feel like I felt after I saw Top Gun for the first time. It was like, holy shit. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I get it. Tom Cruise is the only guy doing it. I'm going to support him yeah. until he stops making them, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he he wants to keep making these until he's like around 80 or so. You know, he wants action to... <laughs> movies. I mean, <laughs> all right, all right. Action movies, Mission Impossible. You know, if, if you want to do that. Uh... Speaking of that, speaking of age, didn't they all look freaking yeah. old in this movie? Like, I think so. Simon, yeah. <laughs> like, Cruz look old. He's finally looking old. And he's like, what, 60 in this movie? Yeah, he's, he, he was like 59 but, by the time filming wrapped on this movie. Simon and, Pegg uh, yeah. looks old as hell. Bags under his eyes, like wrinkles. He looks, he, he's only 53. <laughs> he looks like shit. Yeah. You really think so? Yeah. <laughs> Ving Rames. I, I felt he looked somewhat the same. Ving Rames is, is, is still he's Ving older. Rames. He's, he's older. Yeah. He, he's older. But he's looking but, old to me. Uh, I mean, I don't uh, know. Then, but then you got the the juxtaposition there. Is then you got like Rebecca Ferguson, you got Rebecca Ferguson, who's like thirty five. Vanessa Kirby, yeah, thirty, yeah, like thirty nine or something. And then you got Vanessa Kirby, and you got Haley Atwell, Haley Atwell, who's I think forty something. Yeah, Palm but, Clementine yeah, is the, like the thirty. There. Hey, you still? Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, what do you think um, of her? She but, was an unknown for me because I don't I don't watch Marvel stuff. So yeah, I. She didn't I talk enjoyed much. her performance. No, she didn't talk much. Her her role really consisted of uh, her role was purely visual language. It was all about human movement and eye contact, it was like dance. It was about yeah, eye contact. It was all about like you know, sort of like ballet sort of thing where you know you're ex- she's expressing herself through her through her emotions. She didn't really need to say much of anything. And I felt like, you know, for an actor who can achieve that on screen and translate your feelings uh, through movement is actually a good thing. That harkens back a bit to a silent film. Whereas, you know, you don't really need words. All you need is your human emotion. And I can 
uh, we can do a callback. Chris mentioned that uh, when we were talking about Broken Lullaby. Um, and, you know, I can take that back to I just mentioned Buster Keaton earlier. Uh, again, if you're able to achieve uh, emotion through human movement and sort of instigate that emotion to the viewer, that is a big accomplishment. I think I think I think she's a highlight of the film. I thought she was good. I, I think her overall demeanor is fine. I, I do think the 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 Venice <laughs> the Venice fight scene is kind of ridiculous. Like You think it's silly? Yeah. <laughs> I, two well, versus they, one where it's well, like they, her... did it, they did it in um in Fallout, like where in Fallout Rebecca Ferguson, Ilsa Faust is 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 like straddling the bad guy and like uh-huh. you know incapacitates him with her legs i'm like this is just they did the same uh-huh. thing again to tom cruise but he gets out of it but what's this thing with yeah. like <laughs> oh i can just squeeze you with my fucking thighs yeah. and i beat you in a fight like okay this mm, all these yeah. all these women is know jujitsu all these women who <laughs> the same kind of movement right yeah i know i i, I get that it's a cliche like that they can it just take take I down see. a bunch of you know, highly skilled people by themselves every single time. But then, the, then you have Haley Atwell, who's kind of a noob and doesn't know how to fight. Really, yeah. She was a she was a breath of fresh air. Yeah. What? Really did, yeah. Haley okay. Atwell. Yeah. I was gonna say. What do you think? I like her. I like her. I mean, I, I of course. Well, let's make another reference to the uh, studio that must not be named. But I, I knew her uh, uh, from there uh, too before. I don't before even know what you're one. talking I, I about. <laughs> Oh well, you don't need to, but oh, <laughs> it's oh, okay. You're oh, gonna hate it. <laughs> no, she was in. She was in a uh, what is it? 2011 movie with a uh, certain Chris Evans. Is that who you're talking about? Yes. Very okay. True. All right. I remember now. I remember <laughs> yeah. now. But yeah, yeah. But I thought that she. I liked her a lot. I thought she was a breath of fresh air and really, uh, you know, a, a good a, a good change, like a good nuance from the uh, other female characters that we've seen since uh, Macquarie took over with Rebecca Ferguson, with Vanessa Kirby. And then now you have Haley Atwell, who's more so clumsy. She, she, no, she, she's clever. She, she's smart. She's conniving, but she's got that clumsiness to her character, which is a clear weakness. And, um, just to see her, I, I think like in terms of character growth, just to see, uh, her sort of arc throughout the whole film. And at the end when, uh, well, we don't have to worry about spoilers, but basically Ethan saves her on the train and you see that look on her face. You see the look through her eyes. And I feel that that is sort of a positive when you take into, you know, our aforementioned criticism of, you know, Dutch angles and close-ups, just the close-up Macquarie's close-up of uh, Haley's eyes in that, in that scene where, you know, she's starting to cry and she's sort of found that person that she can rely on in her life. It, it really, it, it really does, um, hit home because she was she was an orphan that's that's the context there yeah that's the context she was an orphan but yeah i mean i felt like so Haley and palm i think are very good additions to uh mission impossible and i can't wait to see more of them in dead reckoning part two yeah i palm yeah she didn't die she didn't die her character (laughs) got her character gets stabbed and they kind of make it seem like oh she might die but then the the one mm-hmm. FBI agent or whatever intelligence agency, whatever alphabet soup bullshit. Shea Wingham, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, she's still got a pulse. Yeah. Like, okay, well, she's coming back. Yeah. You know, I'm willing to bet r- really quickly that people don't even know the relation of Vanessa Kirby's character to uh, 
Max in the first Mission Impossible. Yeah, and people it's don't, her mom, right? That's her mom, yeah. And uh, the, the in terms of the, between characters, uh, so she plays what, what's her name, Alana. Alana Mitsopoulos. Yeah, the arms dealer. She is the daughter of, um, she's the daughter of Vanessa Redgrave's Max in the first Which film. I didn't. Uh, I did not remember. You didn't real, yeah. Well, also the same thing with uh, Kittredge. Yeah, he, yeah, he's CIA back. director Kittredge. He was in the first one. So the thing is, I mean, I don't. I might be wrong to say this, but I feel that you know, going back to what you said, Ben, about the MCU things, where you're taking in characters from previous films and including them into the film. I feel that you know, see, with Mission Impossible, it's a lot more consolidated. So I think it it works well. Added to the fact that I think a lot of people don't even recall the connections uh between these characters <laughs> yeah I, well, I honestly just don't think they do they brought those people back and i'm like the the white widow tie back doesn't matter doesn't bother me but like why did they have yeah. to bring back kittredge like yeah why did they have to bring yeah well <laughs> there's also a reason for that because uh angela bassett's erica sloan she is the c she was a cia director I don't know what happened to her, but basically she was supposed to be in this film, but due to stupid COVID-19 restrictions, travel restrictions, she couldn't make it to filming. So they had to replace her. And I think they replaced her with uh, Kittredge. <laughs> so they they replaced her with the, the douchebag guy from Clear and Present yeah. Danger. <laughs> he's the bad. He's like right. kind of he's one of the bad politicians there. So he's just, you know, mm. replaying yeah. his. Uh, he has that face. His he's role. That face for a bad politician. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> speaking of politicians, we, uh, we mentioned it earlier and we gotta we gotta circle back. Yeah. Carrie Elwes, why the hell is he in this movie? <laughs> he's <laughs> he's literally in this movie just to like, here's a bunch of exposition. There you go. I'm done. Yeah. Like, kill me. Ah <laughs> He's there. He's there because he's a theater actor and he's good at natural exposition monologues for the audience. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I know. I mean, like you get all these big names. You had not get only Carrie Elwes, you had Mark. Go- yeah, the, we. I have the, Amer- the American military industrial complex behind me. Like, oh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> right, uh, all right. I think, what what was he? He was the uh, director not, of national okay. intelligence. National intelligence. Yeah. Okay. Den then, Denlinger, which is like these names. Like, yeah. what the hell are these Denlinger. names? <laughs> I know, I know, yeah, like the typical sort of uh, U.S. intelligence names. <laughs> I want some. I want some good then, then, Tom then Clancy names, like you know, yeah, Jack right. Reacher, Jack Ryan. I can say all those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> Get some like really, or it's like, like some Final Fantasy names, like Chris Redfield, or I don't know, like <laughs> like these typical, but I don't know. Yeah, they're very just, creative. Yeah. Mitsopolis, like Zola, like Mitsopolis. What is, what is this? <laughs> I oh, mean, man. Are, do you have anything else to say from your notes? I think we hit a lot. I I think we did hit a lot. Oh well, I got to mention because we we uh, going back to Buster Keaton in terms of stunts, the train sequence uh, after the fight, uh, after the fight between um, Gabriel and and yeah and Gabriel, uh, we get to the point where the where the bridge is about to be blown uh, and the train is going to run off the tracks and into the quarry. So that scene where they literally did well, they had to create a bridge because apparently the bridge they had found in the area, they ran into some controversy and Macquarie and crews were 
sued by uh, an organization for wanting to blow up this bridge. So then they had a they had to create their own bridge and then blow it up for uh, for the film. And then they had uh, a model of the train that they were able to ride off the tracks and into the quarry. So that was that was practical. That was cool. But that is a tribute to um, Buster. Ke- I don't think you've seen this one yet, Ben. But the we, general we covered seven. The general. I've, yes, I've not seen it, but I know about oh. the train. Oh, okay. So so it's fantastic. Yeah, like the, there is a scene there where Buster Keaton uh has the, has a train go off the tracks in in real life and i think that train is i forgot what uh what river um that was shot in which that was shot but that train i think is still there like lying in the water and uh, oh well so th- yeah <laughs> but that, that that scene is a reference to buster keaton's the general and i i like that about um uh, about these films because you see callbacks to older films say let's go back to rogue nation when you see uh tom cruise in a gray suit sprinting after that airbus before it takes off that's a reference to hitchcock's uh, north by northwest where you see Cary grant in a gray suit running from a crop duster plane so you see these uh, these callbacks to old films and like that respect to old hollywood which i everyone knows i a sucker for that kind of thing insert Obligatory Barbara Stanwyck reference. <laughs> Barbara Stanwyck, <laughs> yes, Barbara Stanwyck. I'm trying to get people Babs pilled. But yeah, but that's Mission Impossible Seven from a very seemingly negative, but not really negative review. We do. We just have criticisms. About I like. It. Yeah. Hey, I um, like. I like seeing Tom Cruise kick ass. I like yeah. seeing him jump off shit and almost die in real mm-hmm. life. Yeah. I like that stuff, <laughs> but I like that. Stuff I don't too. like sitting through it through three hours when I have to like hold my piss, <laughs> hold my piss at the fucking re- at the theater. I hate well, that. I, I, I was gonna ask you. You actually did leave to go to go to the restroom, didn't you? Yes, I'm not did holding you do that. Yeah, not, what, what 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 scene? What what scene did you? Where with, did you uh, leave? All the Dutch angles in a. It's either Venice or Rome when they're all talking. Like, ooh, we're talking about stuff. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm getting it. out of here. Oh, so, damn. See, so, I can't. During Top Gun, it's a three-hour film. It was we're an hour and fifteen uh, yeah. minutes into it. I'm like, there's no way I'm holding it for an hour. <laughs> like, screw that. But in Top Gun Two, like during the uh, next time, yeah, I think I might get kicked out for that. <laughs> Top Gun, use your IC cup for Top. Yeah, for Top Gun Two, <laughs> there was like that little love scene sequence where they're like on the boat or whatever with uh, Tom Cruise and uh, the other actresses, Connolly. Yeah, for Connolly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She looks good. Yeah. He looks good for her age. <laughs> I love, I love Jennifer Connelly. Um, oh my! God. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm taking okay, my, pee, I'm taking my pee break now. <laughs> I don't care about their love. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm gonna see this movie again, so it's fine. I'll, I'll see it. Yeah. But, so that's my plan. I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna see Mission Impossible Two, uh, Mission Impossible Seven. Sorry, again in theaters. Again this movie's too, just not gonna be. I'm sorry. This movie's not gonna be good on home video. Home video. Not gonna be good. No, you have to you have to go see it in theaters. Um, definitely, just it, like again, it's it's still made for the theater experience. Yes, you know. So I mean, we still have to support that, and I think that well, not I think I know that that is what Cruz and Macquarie have been fighting for for I mean, a good while now. Hey, if if you like Tom Cruise movies and you like action, it's imperative that you go and support him because without. Mm-hmm putting your money where your mouth is, you're just going to get the same old shit that Hollywood feeds you. So don't complain. Don't complain if you don't go. Here's another way to look at this. We, we, the villain again is AI. 
it's it, it's Tom Cruise racing against world world powers to kill the entity to kill the AI in a way. Oh, it's meta. If you look at cinema, Is that what you're saying, yeah, bro. It's meta. You look, yeah, you're saying meta, saying, bro. <laughs> you look at cinema today. It's all pretty much AI. The way it's filmed, shots, scripts, all manufactured pieces of garbage with no thought, with no emotion, with no room to think. And I think it's cliche to say at this point, but Tom Cruise is saving cinema. So please go see Dead Reckoning like you went to go see Top Gun Maverick. Please get your asses into those seats and watch this film. Was your IMAX viewing full? Was it like a packed house? Uh, I went on. I went on a weekday, so it wasn't as full. Okay, yeah, I went on um, opening night. Gonna... Was a Wednesday. How was why? it? Why? <laughs> was it on a Wednesday? Yeah, I know. That's why it did. That's partly why it didn't like make its uh, its expected um, value in the, at the box office. I mean, it opened on a Wednesday, so so it wasn't it wasn't a full house when you went. No, it was like. All the recliners were more or less full, except for a couple stragglers. Like, oh, okay. Well, you'll get those. Yeah, it it was. I don't know. I would say it's like sixty percent full. But it, it, again, Wednesday night at like oh, five thirty. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah, it's I during the summertime. During the summertime, but it's a odd time. Everyone's getting off work. It's not really yeah. a kids' movie, so people like kid like yeah. parents aren't taking their kids to this. No, 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 no. Yeah. They're taking their kids to see Disneyana Jones and the Dial of Shit, uh, whatever. The... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or, or actually, let's get the alliter Disneyana Jones and the Dial of Dick. alliteration. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Please go see this movie. Don't don't go see Disneyana Jones and the Dial of, you know, Dick. But <laughs> yeah, please. If yeah. you like, Dutch, anyway, any... if you like Dutch angles, you'll like this movie. Chris, <laughs> Chris, in yeah, one of, Chris, in, come on. In the in the execution squad episode, Chris was like, "I want you. To, I want to show you this scene from this movie that we're not even covering because there's a Dutch angle." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Chris, I know. So, yeah. Chris, uh, we know oh, you couldn't God. be here, but it's now it's time for you to go watch all the MI movies and go to see this in theaters and watch Dutch angles. Yeah. If yeah, you man. if you like not one but two MacGuffins, it's your movie. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still think it's a, it's it's. I still think it's a worthy time in theaters. So, uh, yeah, please go support this movie. I agree. Your mission, should you choose to accept it. Fuck that! They're, you're definitely going. Get your ass <laughs> in the seat, motherfucker. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> we're, we're, yeah, I haven't cursed on the. I haven't cursed too much in a long time, so we're we're going full bore today, baby. I was, I, was, I was gonna say yeah <laughs> dude i just i got my i walked out of the theater and got in my car and was like really like that's all it was again look again let's talk it up to it it's a part one it's a part one of something and uh, so what are they gonna know, do are they gonna I, again are they gonna air part two on the in theaters the, yeah. the month before like i need <laughs> to see it again in theaters dude this is partly why i still advocate for long films with intermissions like back in the old day you know if you had just like that's what i was gonna say Make the I, I want make the that. movie. I, I just want that. Make yeah. it four hours long, but give me a ten minute piss break, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give us an intermission. I want to go get I some just, food. Don't... Some milk. <laughs> yeah, right. Some soda. It's just too bad. A new generation just they don't 
people don't have the patience for it anymore. But, or you can you just know, go, who knows? or I'll just go watch Ben Hur because that has a that still has an intermission in it on the Blu-ray. Yeah. So, <laughs> or Lawrence of Arabia. A nice overture. <laughs> Come on, just like listen to the music. Yes, the, yes, I love the overture. Can we bring that back too? Yeah, I want an overture of Mission Impossible in Man, the beginning. Yeah, that be cool, dude. It would be so cool. So here's <laughs> the thing, like. The home theater experience, if you have a big enough screen, is better. Because I can pause the movie, rewind it a minute or two, depending on where I'm at. If I'm in some kind of like, oh, and I can't stop sure. right here. I can go to the bathroom, uh -huh. and I can come back, and I can relive it over and yeah. over and over. Because you have that power in your hands. Yeah, I... it's just it just sucks. Like The theater experience, for me, is like, I don't get to go to the theater that often anymore. Because honestly, they're not putting out any good stuff. So like when they do right, put out something right. I'm interested in, I'm expecting, I guess I'm just expecting too much. I don't know. No, I get it. I should have seen fallout in theaters. What the hell? You should have, you should have seen these last. Uh, yeah, I know. Honestly, how come you missed that one? You, you saw ghost protocol, but not rogue nation, not fallout. Uh, rogue nation came out again when you said we were in college or getting out of college. Yeah, so I was yeah, probably getting out of college. Wasn't following it at the time. I wasn't, I wasn't like mm. into movies that much, but I wasn't into I wasn't into modern movies in 2015 as much. Mm. Um, I gotcha. kind of, gotcha. you can look at the histogram of all the years on letterbox of the movies. And like <laughs> mine is like yeah. a growing slope to like 2011, 2012. And then it just like dies off. Yeah. Cause I don't give a shit. Yeah, it dips. <laughs> I don't give a shit about new stuff, man. Yeah. It just dips. Yeah. Totally. Get I've, it. I've seen like five movies well, from this year. I don't know. Yo, yeah, I don't I haven't seen that much this year either. So, so I'm I'm right there with you. All right. Yeah. Well let's <laughs> before we rate, we're gonna rate. We're gonna rate it. Yeah. But we're gonna rate it. It's not that bad. I'm more I'm I sound more negative than I am. My rating is not bad. Me too. <laughs> so all right. My rating is not bad either. Do the honors, sir. Okay. Well, I think uh Ben has said once that I can be too nice with my rating, and maybe I am too nice with this one. But I think it's a fair rating, uh, despite our criticisms. I mean, I think we still pointed out these technicalities that really do um, still really hit. So I'm giving it an 8 out of 10. It's an 8 out of 10. 4 out of 5, 8 out of 10. Yeah. So granted that I said a bunch of shit during this episode, I'm still going to rate it. It's a part one. So if part two sucks, yeah, part one. the rating is coming down, but I'm giving it a 7. But with an asterisk. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I had a feeling you'd give it a seven. Yeah. I was thinking about a six. And I was like, that ah, it's better than a six. I rated the, the most recent Guy Ritchie movie. I rated a six, which uh, was what? I don't even remember what it was called. Operation something. One. Oh, that one. I thought with, you meant the Covenant. With, with Jason uh, Statham. Yeah. I don't even remember who Hugh Jackman. No, Hugh Grant. Sorry. And Hugh Grant, yeah. uh, what's, what's the... Aubrey Plaza's in it, which she's funny as shit in that. It's like so random that she's in there. She shouldn't be in the movie, but yeah, but, I, but it, it works. I rated <laughs> I rated that a six, so MI seven is a seven. So seven point five rating between us. That's that's a go. I mean, it's still above average. My favorite or Fallout. My favorite, my two favorites are Fallout and Ghost Protocol. Ghost Ghost Protocol. Yeah, I would. I think I would agree. So wait, did, did just talking to me kind of bring that up from a six or? I was thinking a six like the first day or two. And then I thought some more about uh -huh. it. Like I was at a 6.5. And then the seven is, mm -hmm. again, you made a great point. 
it's a part one. So if part two isn't as good as I want it to be, this comes down. But all right. Yeah. That's well, enough. Hope, that, hope for the best. <laughs> that's enough for uh, Mr. Cruz. He doesn't need any introductions mm-hmm. anymore. Go watch him and support mm-hmm. his stuff. Um, I thought we had a mailbag when I logged into our email today. <laughs> and it was it was a email payment services and operations department with a bunch of numbers and stuff with a PDF attached to it. I'm like, the AI is coming after us. (laughs) It knows I didn't rate this movie as as high as it, you know. It knows everything. It's after you now. It's trying to influence me. It's blackmailing me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I was hoping we had a mail. No no mailbag today. Okay. Send your mailbags in. The searchers podcast at gmail.com. Please like and rate and subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, and Podbean. Uh, the ratings really do help, guys, with the the AI algorithm. So please rate us five stars or ten out of ten. You know, you know, Chris and I have a and Kevin. We like to argue over whether or not it's five out of five or ten out of ten. But <laughs> on Apple, it's yeah, five out of five. <laughs> we'll see you next time. to the searchers podcast if you want to hear more of our thoughts on movies you can find us on letterboxd ben at giant 13 chris at ziglet underscore mer and me at kevin chan find us on spotify and apple podcasts and on searchers film until next time people <laughs> <laughs>